Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm glad that you're here with me at the Life Over Coffee podcast. I've had a wonderful week uh, working with Marco Presbyterian Church on Marco Island, Florida. Marco Island is out in the Gulf of Mexico. To give you a geographical point, reference point, they're just a few hours below, uh, just below St. Petersburg, Florida, and of course north of, of the Keys. Uh, but Marco Island, Marco Presbyterian Church has been here for a long time, and they asked me to come down to do a week of meetings, and I have had a week of meetings. I have met with the men, and I've met with the women. We've had large groups meeting, large group meetings. I've met with several staff people. I've met with pastors and elders and a lot of folks. Every day I was meeting with someone, and it has just been fantastic. But this past Friday night, I met with a large group of folks, and they asked me, uh, to teach on this idea of being a grandparent, parents and grandparents, specifically as you think about how to serve your children and grandchildren. Marco Island uh, is a large part, it, it's a tourist community, of course, as much of Florida is, but it's also a retirement community, and so there are a lot of older folks here, and with that, the churches have a lot of older folks in them, and of course, this is a big concern, and that's why I spoke on this idea of grandparenting this Friday night, and it was really fantastic. I spoke for a little over an hour. The people were quite receptive. I've had some wonderful conversations afterward. God did some things in the people's hearts, and what I was thinking is that while this is fresh in my mind, it would be fantastic to share some of the the things that I shared with them Friday night with you all. Now, I will not be able to share in depth everything that I shared with them, but I want to give you a little bit of a taste, and I hope that the Lord will use this podcast to encourage you, especially those of you who are parents and grandparents, because there is a generation behind us. In fact, there are multiple generations behind us, depending on how old you are, and they need what you have, and that, that was my strongest appeal to the folks at Marco Presbyterian Church. It is this, you do not want to be a, one of those Dead Sea Christians where you're going to ride out the rest of your life just enjoying the, the information that is put forth to you every Sunday or however you receive God's Word. No, you don't want to be that. You also want to be in the export business as you're in the import business. And the reason for that is, is because God is writing a story in your life and he's not through with his story in your life. I shared with them how intimidating it is to talk to people who to talk to people who have been walking with the Lord longer than I've been living, to be quite honest with you. As I looked out across the room last night and, and saw all these dear saints of God, and it's like, Lord, I am of no account. Who am I? I put my hand on my mouth. I cannot speak. Many of them have been walking with the Lord longer than I have been living. But as I saw that, I saw the richness of God in their lives. I saw, I saw something else as well. I saw that you can finish well. You can finish strong, that God's persevering grace can take you to the end. That was encouraging to know. 
But what I saw was, in addition to that, was this group of people who, they really have a message to tell. And I wanted to appeal to them that they don't disqualify themselves. They don't say something like, well, I'm old. I don't have anything to say. I'm not really that important anymore. We're going to give it over to the younger people. Let the young people come in, but don't ever say that you don't have anything to say because God is writing his story in your life. And that is my appeal to them. That was my appeal to them. And it's my appeal to you as well. If you've been walking with the Lord, there is no age limit on that to where you stop exporting the good things that God is giving you. And unless you've been living under a rock, which you have not, you have some idea of what's going on in our world today. For those of you who live in America, you know what's going on in America. And we are in a bad place. And this is no time for the grandparents to hide the good things that God has been giving them under a bushel. They need, you need to let your light shine and you need to be telling it because you have children and grandchildren and you have folks who aren't related to you. But still yet, you are a voice and you need to use that voice. And that's what I want to do in this podcast. I want to share with you some of the things that I shared with them. But because the meeting was longer than this podcast, what I've done is I've added a couple of videos in these show notes. And I want you to watch these videos. They're about 10 minutes in length. And then I have six articles here. One article is titled, Unkind Dads Tempt Their Children to Be Afraid of God. I have another one called, The Angry Dad. I have another one called, Fussy Parents Make Insecure Children. I have three other articles, too, about women. One of them's titled, Setting Aside Your Desires to Lead Your Husband. And there are a couple of others that talk about this idea, this, this awkward position that some women feel that they are submitting themselves to their husbands and they are called to bring care to them as well, to disciple them. And I have some articles related to that too. If you want to read all of these show notes, again, it's episode 197 grandparents export themselves to the next generation. Now, we had some biblical counselors in the room last night. Some, I'm, I'm speaking, in fact, the whole room was full of biblical counselors. Let me re-clarify that. If you are a Christian, you are a biblical counselor, a disciple maker. But we had four ACBC certified biblical counselors in the room last night. Jessica Herchak. Uh, came down with Chris Minot. Chris Minot runs a counseling ministry, I think, in the Fort Myers area, which is just south of St. Pete. And then Jessica Herchak is, is on staff with Jessica with uh, uh, Chris Minot. And then uh, Maria Carl came down as well. She lives in Benita Springs, which is not too far from uh, Marco Island, where I'm at currently. And then Paul Flores is an assistant pastor here at Marco Presbyterian Church, and he too is ACBC certified, and so is Joanne Thornstein, and she is here at Marco Presbyterian Church too. And so Chris Minot and Jessica Herchak, Paul Flores, and Maria Carl, and 
Joanne Thorenstein, I think that's five ACBC certified biblical counselors. And so they were in the house too. And it was, it was fun to interact with them. Uh, we've had some delightful conversations and I'm so thankful uh, that they were there and that we could interact. Let me say this, if you have any questions about what I'm sharing with you in this podcast, we do have free community forums and you can jump on them to ask your question and that would be great. If you are a supporter of our ministry, uh, I would ask you to get on our private forums. That's, that's more private, it's a smaller community. And if you are supporting us, $5 a month or anything above that, thank you so much for your support because you are the people uh, that allow us to provide all these free resources to the world. And so thank you for your support, but please go to our private forum and you can ask your question there, whether it's about grandparents or something else. You can get the show notes, episode 197. I don't think that I have to make a case for the fallout of fatherness, fatherlessness or this idea of dysfunctional womanhood in our world today because honestly it's at an all-time high children and grandchildren no longer have biblical templates for what manhood and womanhood should be i didn't have a biblical template for what manhood should be and i was a kid in the 60s and a teenager during the 70s 70s and the template that was given to me was a dysfunctional one well, there have, there have been many genera- there have been several generations that have passed since I was a child. But did you know there is an older generation that does know what it means to be a man or woman in God's world? We call them grandparents. You see, grandparents grew up in a time when people valued work, they shunned laziness. They knew what it meant to honor others. They found great joy in serving their communities. But more importantly, they loved God and they had a high view of the local church. The local church was the the center of their social dynamic. You know, we don't live in that world any longer. And that is why it's imperative for these older saints to be active exporters of the practicalized message of Jesus Christ. Now, if you do want to read more on the fallout of fatherlessness, I do have some articles here, as I mentioned earlier, and and you're welcome to study these articles that I've linked in these show notes. And then I would encourage you to watch the two videos here. The, The one video here is... It talks about the important role of fathers. That's the title of it, the important role of of fathers. And it talks about how parents can fall down on the job when it comes to rearing boys and girls. And it talks about a solution. I want to talk about fathers and then I want to talk about or fathers and grandfathers. And then I want to talk about grandmothers and possibly mothers. I'll talk about that toward the end. But the primary role of a father is to model God the Father to his children, whether he has a boy or a girl or, or both. But the primary role of a father is to model God the Father to his children as that dad leads them to the Lord. 
where the child will experience wholeness. You can think about it like this, that the father, the earthly father, takes the hand of the child and places that hand in the hand of God the Father, and that child becomes born again and builds a relationship with God the Father. The earthly father is like a a coupler that connects. And one of the reasons that this is so important I've counseled a lot of boys, and I've counseled a lot of girls, and I'm talking about boys and girls that could be 70 and 80 years of age and anything under that. And as I have interacted with these boys and girls at any age, I have come to learn that we all have certain questions that we need somebody to answer for us. Boys have unique questions that, that speaks to their identity, to who they are. And girls have unique questions that speak to their identity and what God has called them to do. You can kind of extrapolate this out of the, the creation account of Adam and Eve. The first man, the first woman in the, early, the first two chapters of the Bible I say it this way. Now, when I say that a boy and a girl has two questions, it is important for you to understand that the only person in the world that can answer these questions for that boy and for that girl is their dad, their father. I'm talking about the important role of a father. Now, I I realize in this podcast that I'm skipping the rock across the pond and I'm not going in depth with you, but that's why I have this video here. I have a 10-minute video here that you can watch that, that will expand on what I'm communicating briefly to you right now. If you are a supporting member of our website, I have a one hour webinar that you can watch on this very topic, the important role of fathers, as I go into a lot of detail explaining what I'm sharing briefly with you now. But here's the point that I want you to understand. Every boy has identity questions. What does it mean to be a man? He has two of them specifically. You see, God made Adam a man And so every boy wants to know if he is a man. You could say it this way. Will you affirm me as a man? I asked the group Friday night. I said, if you were a a boy, eight or nine years of age, what is the worst thing that someone could ever say to you? And somebody quickly said, the worst thing you could ever say on a playground to a little boy is to call him a sissy. Call him anything but a man. And the reason that those are fighting words for a little boy is because he wants to know, am I a man? Well, he wants to know that because God made him a man. Therefore, he needs somebody to affirm him as a man. I remember when I was a kid, you know, we talked a lot about When I grow up, I'm going to be a fireman or a policeman or an astronaut or a a football player. We wanted to be a man. We wanted to be manly. And so one of the most important identity questions for a man is this idea of, am I a man? 
Will you affirm me as one? And, and the second question is tied to it. Not only do you affirm me as a man, but do I have the ability to be one? Do I have what it takes to be a man? Am I one? And do, do I have what it takes to be one? And again, the only person in the world that can affirm that in a little boy is his father. Now, the girl has two important questions as well. And her two questions are about her desire to follow and support the man. You remember the hierarchy that God gave Adam and Eve. It's God the Father at the top, and then he created Adam, and then he made Eve to support and to follow the man. Now, we know that that everybody is equal under God. Ontologically, we're all made in the image of God, and nobody is better than anyone. It doesn't matter who you are, male or female. I'm not talking about that. We understand that. But there is also hierarchy that we have. We have hierarchy in our life to keep us from being chaotic. We have authorities in our life, whether it's in school, civil authorities, in the church, we have authority. Within the home, we have a similar structure. And Eve, may, God made Eve in a support role to follow her husband. Therefore, Eve's questions are different than the questions that Adam would have. Here are every little girl's primary questions. It doesn't matter how old the girl is. Question number one, do you love me? If I am going to submit to you, will you love me? As I shared with them last night, I think that if I were a woman and I was getting married to a man, that is a question that I need to know. If I'm going to submit to you and follow you all the days of my life, it's imperative for me to know if you love me. And the second question is, will you protect me? Are you a safe person for me to su submit to? and to follow. Now again, the first person that will ever answer those two questions in a little girl's life is her daddy, is her father. He will be the one that will communicate love or not. He will be the one that will communicate safety or not. Have you ever heard of the concept mutual exclusivity? Mutual exclusivity, when it comes to the, uh, when you connect it to the idea of the soul, it, it means this, and I'll illustrate it for you. But what it means is that children cannot assign multiple labels to similar things. What they do is they attach one label to multiple things. You see, children can't, they can't parse things out when they're very young. And so they take one label and they will assign it to multiple things. And that is a part of their early developmental learning. Let me illustrate this for you. When my child was younger, she watched the TV show Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues was about a blue paw print. And I won't get into the particulars of the, of the, the program, but Blue's Clues, they, they would give her three paw prints throughout the show and it, they would teach her things through those paw prints. But she learned early on that a paw print, a tiger paw print, was blue. All paw prints are blue. Thus, any time that she saw a paw print, it didn't matter how big it was. It didn't matter what color it was. 
She always called it the same thing. Daddy, daddy, that's Blue's Clues. I remember one time she was looking at a Clemson University tiger paw print, which is orange. And she said, Daddy, there's Blue's Clues. This is what mutual exclusivity means. Children cannot assign multiple labels to similar things. So when my daughter saw a, a blue paw print and an orange paw print, it was Blue's Clues because Blue's Clues was the first on the block. That was her first interpretation. That was her first label. And so everything became Blue's Clues. This is where it becomes complicated. When a child learns what a father is like, they assign their understanding of a father to all fathers, even God the Father. This truth is why it's imperative for a father to emulate God the Father to their children. And one of the most profound ways that a father will emulate God the Father to a little boy is the same way that God the Father affirmed Adam. Adam, you are a man and you do the things of a man. You have the ability to be a man. Those are his two most important questions. And then for Eve, he made her in a support role to, fo to follow Adam. Well, of course, Adam did love her. He loved her exceptionally well. And Eve felt safe following Adam. It was a perfect world before Genesis 3-6, before everything turned upside down and became chaotic. Eve felt Adam's love and Eve felt protected and it was not a problem to be submitted to Adam. And a father has the opportunity to teach that, to teach that to a little girl by showing the love and giving a safe environment for this little girl to grow and to flourish. I had a crying counselee once upon a time who would not trust God. And the reason she would not trust God is because she thought that God was like her father. Her father was an abusive man. You remember this idea of mutual exclusivity? She, she can't assign different labels to similar things. So she assigned one label to similar things. And her father taught her what a father was like. And so when she learned about God the Father, she already knew what he was like because of the way that her father treated her. Let me give you a little footnote here on this idea of grandfathers, because I'm talking about grandfathers. This is episode 197, grandparents export themselves to the next generation. I'm making an appeal to grandparents to teach their children and maybe even step in and teach their grandchildren what it means to be a boy and what it means to be a girl, what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. But I want to give you a caveat here by asking this question, what is a father? You see, when I talk about a father or when I talk about a grandfather, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have children what I'm talking about here is being fatherly. Being fatherly like God the Father, it does not have to mean that you have children. It means that you're fatherly, that you are fatherly. We have God the Father, and then we have Satan, who is the father of lies. 
A 15-year-old boy can be fatherly as he emulates God the Father. Here are some of the ways that you can be fatherly, by loving, by serving, by helping, by being kind, by showing discretion, by showing courage, by showing faith, by perseverance, by using self-control. These are just a few things that exemplify what good fathers are. So perhaps you are an older man in the church and you don't have a son anymore or don't have a son at all. Maybe you don't have any grandchildren. You say, well, I can't export anything to my grandchildren. Well, no, you can. You can be a father. You can be fatherly. Again, it doesn't matter how old you are, and it doesn't matter if you have children or not. This idea of being a father doesn't mandate that you have to have children. It mandates that you have to be fatherly. And so my appeal to all of you fathers is that uh, all of you fatherly men out there, that you find that young man, that you find that boy, that young lady, and you imitate God the Father to this individual so that they can have a better understanding of, of who he is. Now the question becomes, what about grandmothers, the older women of the church? Well, you have a role too. You have a job that is just as hard as you teach girls and teens and young women what it means to be a godly woman, to be a godly wife, and to be a godly mother. We are long past the time where girls learned what it meant to be a godly woman. And there are a few biblical templates for biblical womanhood in our culture, including the church. And so I would appeal to all you grandmothers. I do have three articles here that I would encourage you to read. And it will, it will help to give you some instruction on how you can teach some of the women and the young people in your church. As the older men, whether they are fathers or not, are teaching the boys and girls what God the Father is like, the older women must be leading the younger women into a better understanding of biblical womanhood. Now with all these things in mind, all of you fatherly people, all of you motherly people, as you're teaching the younger generation what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman, I want to give you a biblical warning. That biblical warning comes from 1 Corinthians 3, 6, where Paul said that he planted and Apollos watered, and it was the Lord who caused the growth. The number one problem for grandparents, as they, as they think about their children, is their lack of trusting God to work in the lives of their children, which is typically manifested by over-worrying about them. Grandparents, not all of them, but many grandparents are prone to worry like parents. And it is important for you to understand that your job is to plant and to water and not cause the growth because you can't cause the growth Paul said a similar thing in 2 Timothy 2.24 and 25. He says that God grants repentance. What he's saying here is you can't change anyone. It's God's job to change an individual. And so your anxiety about a child's lack of change, it doesn't help. Albeit, it is a commentary 
regarding your thoughts about God. Your worry and your anxiety does reveal what your thoughts are about God when it comes to your children or your grandchildren. And I do have a 10-minute video here that I would want you to watch. It's called Learn to Entrust to God and learn to carefully obey. There are some things that you need to obey and there are other things that you need to entrust to God and I would encourage you to watch this video. Episode 197, grandparents export themselves to the next generation. If you are fatherly and if you are motherly, then I want you to take the things that I'm sharing with you in this podcast and I want you to find somebody who's younger than you are and you disciple them for God's glory. I have a few questions I want to ask you, and then we'll wrap up this podcast. Question number one, are you exporting your wisdom and life to the generations coming behind you? And then my follow-up question, if not, why not? Number two, how do you need to change after listening to this podcast? Number three, did you watch the two videos embedded here? And if you did, what were some of your takeaways? Question number four, will you make a plan to read the embedded articles here? I want you to read these articles, a long-term assignment. Watch the videos and read these articles. And then number five, will you talk to someone about this podcast? Will you talk to someone about the embedded articles, the embedded videos? Will you ask them to help you to become a disciple maker to the generations that are behind you? You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee. Thank you.